Hi, welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. On the show today is an old friend, Aaron Dowdy. He is huge on YouTube. Call him a YouTube sensation, a YouTuber. He helps people expand their consciousness. He uses everything from law of attraction to the energetics of things. So today was a kind of a philosophizing conversation about uh, relationships, about the energetics of how things work, what it means when you actually have passion for something versus doing something and, and what that reality looks like. This is kind of one of those really good love dose days of, of hearing um, a conversation about being in alignment with yourself. Enjoy the show. Thanks for stopping by. Please hit the subscribe and bell for notifications when we have shows come out. And uh, Let me know what you think about this episode and uh, let's philosophize in the comments you're such an you're such an og youtuber i know yeah that is true how yeah. many years ago i feel like i started watching your stuff gosh six or seven years ago i feel like i was seeing things I feel yeah. like you were talking in sedona you would like be bundled up outside is that right and then you would be talking yeah. about i think things had to do with kind of a little bit of like spirituality was there like astrology even woven into it and like i had a, i had brock goldsmith on recently I don't know if you know who she is. She's like mm -hmm. a, a famous astrologer. Oh. That was like a year ago. Before that, though, yeah, I mean, five years on YouTube now. YouTube, such a such a. I love YouTube personally. I think it's just the best way to learn. Yeah. I I do love how the algorithms just continue to give you more of like the same kind of stuff. Um, do you yeah. watch YouTube or do you just put stuff? Do you just oh no, I I, I watch YouTube. I'm a YouTube fan, so I don't really watch. I mean, I watch House of Dragons and like shit like that. You know. But with YouTube, yeah, I love because part of being a, like being able to be good on YouTube is being able to study what's doing well mm -hmm. to then learn so that then I can know how to make better videos and stuff. So most YouTubers, for them to really grow, they have to be obsessed with like learning how to make good videos and see yeah. what else other people in the space are doing and stuff like that. So I've definitely I watch YouTube more than anything else for sure. What did you what what is something new that you're doing that you're like, oh, I gotta do more of that? Uh not make any videos at all. Stop it. What do you mean? I, I have I have made videos for like five years now, five videos, seven videos a week. Yeah. And I'm at a space to where I'm getting so burnt out from being repetitive that I haven't made a video. It's only been a week, but I'm gonna eventually go back. But I'm gonna go from five videos a week down to like one video a week and put more energy into that one video a week. And um I'm, I feel like my calling is to do more so like live events mm -hmm. and I've known that for like two years, but YouTube like has got me so much success and like security that it's been hard for me to let go of like the, the, you know, the daily videos. Yes. So the next thing is I have my team. We're all focused on like doing live events, recording it, taking clips from that, putting that on YouTube and like doing a completely new model just because um, it's, that's what I'm more, I know I'm going to be more passionate about. I've done live events before too. And there it's a completely different energy being in front of people versus just like getting in front of a camera and regurgitating content. You know, once you've made 2000 videos, it just becomes, what else is there to talk about? You what know what else I mean? is there to talk about? But also yeah. like, let's talk about maybe even like the energetics of it, because you really 
have loved making those videos. And I know there was some discipline to sort of make a certain amount or make them every day or make them yeah. on a certain cadence, but, but there was a, a love and a passion for that. And so if that isn't there, let I'm like curious oh, yeah. what you think about the energetics of the information in the video. If there's not actually like the frequency of truth and authenticity and like yeah. real good passion, then do you think that that's a part of it? Like, I'm curious what your thoughts are around that. And then, um, getting into, of course, the live events and like what feelings come out for that, because feelings yeah. are such they're they're like the, the universe isn't hearing our thoughts or our words. It's our feelings. 100%. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause when, in the beginning, when I started making videos back in 2017, I started making daily videos and I was so passionate about it because it was so new for me. And it was also the edge of my comfort zone because I was like afraid to put myself out there in front of people especially to talk about esoteric concepts that were kind of like, you know, a little bit different way of thinking. I was afraid of what my friends would think, my family would think. Um, I was afraid I wasn't credible enough. Like all of these doubts came up and then I started doing it and it became so rewarding because I was able to see people's comments and just like see the impact I was making. And because it was so new and it was like a stretch for me just to be sharing what's going on in my life and just what I'm learning by studying all this spiritual stuff. I was able to then like, I was just writing that flow, writing that energy. And I was really passionate about it. And it is very important. Like people feel what you feel. And I'm very aware that the main reason I believe people watch my videos is not because of the concepts, even though I come up with new concepts and new ways to teach things and, and stuff like that from the books I read and just my own life. It's I realized at a certain point that people were watching me because of how it made them feel. There was an energy behind yeah. the way I was showing mm -hmm. up because I was in my passion. They would feel that and then they would get bought in and they would watch my videos every day because of how it made them feel. Mm -hmm. And I remember at a certain point when I was committing to the videos that one of the reasons I committed to the daily videos was back in 2017 when I was working a, a sales job selling women's shoes at Barney's New York in Las Vegas, and I knew I wanted to be on YouTube, I'd go on my lunch break every day and I would uh, like sit on my lunch break and I would watch certain YouTubers. So I'd watch like Casey Nas uh, Neistat, I'd watch like these vloggers. And what I noticed is if they made daily videos, Every day it was a part of my routine. So Casey Neistat, Roman Atwood, like these, some of the, these younger guys, but like, I, I just was so fascinated with like how they were making daily videos, how it was getting me like hooked into their lives and stuff and just their energy. And then what I did is I realized that every, if somebody stopped making daily videos, sometimes they'd kind of be out of sight, out of mind. So I'd go yeah. on my lunch break and then they weren't in my field necessarily and I would fall off. But then what eventually happened is um, I thought to myself, what if I could be that for other people? So what if I made a video every single day, put it on YouTube and was just kind of sharing, you know, like the, the things I'm learning, working that sales commission job, I definitely could use like the law of attraction and stuff because every day you started at zero and then you, you know, you had to sell and I could see the different energy if I like had a certain uh, goal of hitting a certain goal selling commission. Um, I could see how I would do with, if I went towards that goal with like really serious and trying to hit it, or if I went towards it with the intention of adding value to people that I was helping, 
or if I went in the tension of having fun with the customers, like I noticed these different energy shifts that would happen. And I would do a lot better when I was having fun, when I was enjoying myself, when I was like connecting with people and not focused yeah. on just the money. And then I would share that in my YouTube videos. And then that was like how I grew my channels. I would just share. I was kind of like this relatable guy that was like learning what I was learning. And um, that was what I was sharing on YouTube. And then that's what after like two or three months of making videos, I had some videos start to go viral. And uh, then I was able to like, within six months, quit my nine to five job and and go full time and, and then figure out internet marketing and all these other things. But it stemmed from following that passion. And where I'm at now is I've been doing this for five years. Um, I've run line of live events every now and then, but I'm realizing that like there's an outdated, I was talking to my team about it yesterday. We have like an outdated software system where like you need to upgrade, but it's kind of scary to upgrade because certain things on your computer will work differently. Oh, you mean like on YouTube, you need to upgrade or like personally? We need to more of an energetic realization. Like, you know, on your computer, like you might need to upgrade yeah. to like a new software or yeah. a new level, but like it kind of sucks because you're gonna have to get to used to learning it and maybe you like yeah. the way the old stuff worked better. I'm realizing that within my life now, because even though I'm still somewhat passionate about making videos, I feel like there's a whole new level. And when I like, for example, I had a buddy in, uh, come here to Austin to do a live event recently. And he asked me to come speak at it. And I was like at the gym and I'm like, okay, um, I'll just, I'll just go because I don't have anything else to do. And I, it'd be fun. It sounds like fun. It sounds like I, I'd be passionate about just showing up to his live event. So I just show up to his live event and I had the intention of only going on stage with him for like 40 minutes to an hour because I had some stuff to do afterwards. And I was like, oh, 40 minutes to an hour is good. I get there and I ended up being on stage for three hours. We brought people up. We coached people. It was phenomenal. The energy oh. was insane. Oh my it God. Was, it was being recorded. And I'm like, oh, well now that's content. I could be put it on YouTube. And it, that was a sign to me though that, okay, I tried this different thing, different than just sitting in front of a, a video, like yeah. making content. I did something new. I pushed my comfort zone, even yeah. though like it's not out of my comfort zone, but I could just tell I get lit up when I'm in front of like a crowd. When I'm live, it mm -hmm. challenges me because you have to be able to read a room. You got to be able to, it's a whole different beast. Yeah, Carry exactly. On. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So I'm like, I'm thinking it kind of reminds me of like even Abraham Hicks style stuff Yeah, or like even Teal Swan. I mean, they're, they're people that like do live like healings or live work essentially with people. Um, so I'm curious what it is that you feel like you want to bring to the stage. When I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents. I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra. One of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12 ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voyantbydanica.com.
like what, cause I correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I do feel like part of the purpose. I mean, you even say in the intro, like I help raise people's consciousness. So, yeah. uh, expand people's consciousness. So what is it that you want to deliver to people from a stage that you is new? Like what, what, what is, what's in that, in that package that inspires you? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good question because the, that's exactly what these last, like, because I've taken a couple, like even just a week off of YouTube, but I've been making less content in general. That's giving me space to really go inwards, to decide like, what is it that I'm really passionate about sharing and like helping people with? And the, the kind of the underlying theme is kind of what you're saying. It's like help, helping people elevate their level of consciousness, raise their vibration is kind of a new age, kind of like a, you know, an interesting term, but in general, it's helping people elevate their level of awareness because I believe that awareness is like the key to 90% of transformation is awareness, I believe. So the more aware you become of the patterns in your life, the more aware you become of the belief systems that you have, the more aware you become of the attachments, of the, the labels, the identity, like the more aware you become of all these things, the more power you take back to then like, you know, put in life. And um, at a live event, what I like to do is like help people become more aware of these different aspects of themselves that have been in the subconscious. So that normally happens through either coaching people live on stage, doing group energy work. Another thing I'm really passionate about that I've done on YouTube and in different ways is I do these uh, like group meditations where we activate our heart energies and we use the power of group intention to transform our own lives and the planet. The, you know, like uh, the, Mah I don't know if you've ever heard of the Maharishi effect. It's, it's similar to some of the work Joe Dispenza is doing, Dr. Joe Dispenza, but the Maharishi effect is this like experiment that was done a long time ago and they, re they replicate it every so often where you get like 5,000 meditators around the world and they focus on emoting an energy and setting that intention towards some specific thing. So it could be more love and peace or, you know, whatever the energy is. And they've proven many times that when you get lots of people focused on one outcome, it affects the planet in a way to where it can decrease violent crimes on the planet by up to like 70% for a certain right. period of time. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if you've ever, also the Schumann resonance, which is like the yeah. frequency of the planet. And when yep. we do these, I remember one time, May, I think it was like May 5th, like in 2020, I did this on YouTube with 12,000 people um, that were like live at the same moment. And there were people around the world doing this too. So it wasn't just me. But we did that meditation where we like connected into our hearts and, you know, like uh, connected to the group energy, which can become very powerful. And then what we did is we sent like uh, we tapped in like bringing in love and, and, and energy into our bodies. And as we did that, there was like some people had some very transformative experiences. And I could feel it, too, because I was like the center point of like, you know, all those people live and I could like feel that energy. But also the next day, the Schumann resonance, which is like a. Yeah. It's like a way of gauging the frequency of the planet. It was in, it was all white. Like it, it normally comes in fluxes. Yep. It was all white. Wow. And it was like, that's, that's what happens when people get together and they meditate using the power of group energy with a specific intention. It can powerfully change the planet. And I think what's happened in society is not to get too, I don't know, like, I don't know how woo woo this is, but I believe Very, that there are Go ahead. I mean, I've had like Elizabeth April on and Teal and people okay, like that. So like, we'll you get, can we'll say little, whatever the hell you want. Well, then I'll, I'll stretch it a little bit. I, yeah. I believe there are people like, I'm not a big conspiracy theory person where I'm like in fear and all this shit going on, you know, 
Um, but in general, I believe that it's a known thing at certain levels that there's this collective consciousness that we're all connected to. Mm-hmm. And I believe that uh, there are people that maybe understand that if you keep people in fear and in anger and in lower vibrational emotions, that their energy is scattered right. and that then it's like e- they're much easier to control. And I think what's happening on the planet right now is people are waking up. They're waking up to their own power. They're waking up to the, uh, like the, the ability for all of us to connect together to create transformation on the planet. And I think that when we come together together with group intention like that, it does the opposite of what certain people may be doing to like keep the collective consciousness at a certain level. I mean, when you look at the media and the fear that's being projected out into the world, it's we're so numb to it and so used to it. But uh, like, if you really sit down and think about like just how much negativity is being strung out in the media and stuff and how there's an, a narrative and a a way of thinking that really keeps people small and keeps people very subservient to like everything in reality. Um, it's so, it's silly to me. It's like, wow. It's like we, people are so bought into that. And part of the work that I tried to do, my intention at least is to help people wake up to them being like understanding or maybe tapping into their spiritual component that maybe you're an eternal spiritual being living a temporary human experience. And maybe when you come here, you know, you go through crazy shit in life because, and especially early on in childhood, because I believe that that helps us to like create pressure so that we can go through a spiritual transformation or through a spiritual awakening. And uh, part of why I believe we came here deep down, even if we don't remember, I think is we came here to elevate our level of consciousness to grow and to also come together. I know it sounds super fucking hippie, you know, but like to come together so that we can really like change the planet. Because I think that the timeline that we may have been on um, in the past is, is a timeline of like destruction. If you want to talk about weirdness, have you ever heard of Dolores Cannon? Oh, I love Dolores. Oh, okay. Dolores. Oh, okay. Well, that's good Listen to hours and hours and hours and hours of Dolores. She's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That one thing that really got me into this kind of content was reading her books. It was like the convoluted universe books. I just love like listen to some 80 year old woman talk about the stuff she talks about. So matter of factly, um, yeah. like with a grandma voice, it's so awesome. Um, but I feel like I've heard just about everything that's out there on, on YouTube for her. Um, that's how that's much cool. I've listened So I probably should tap into those books. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it is something interesting about her just because she does kind of have a, she has a grandma feel, but she's talking about these very esoteric things and yeah. she says it, you know, she's, she's had thousands and thousands of people in deep levels of hypnosis. And it's not her saying it. It's not like, I believe that, you know, we're connect like ETs are real. And I believe this or that it's like these, this is what's consistently come through thousands of people all over the world who don't know each other. They're not like in a database, like let's, let's say this on this hypnosis, you know, this deep level of, of our subconscious mind, let's have this come through. You know, yeah. have you ever looked into because she because one of the things that she did was she started teaching people how to go into this deep, deep state yep. of hypnosis that really nobody else was doing, or at least according to at that point in time, um, to be able to go really deep into the subconscious. Have you ever looked to see if there's like a practitioner nearby or someone that does her techniques? Oh, yeah. My but my I have a buddy of mine that's like uh, he doesn't do sessions or anything, but he is certified like QHHT. Oh. It's quant. It's called quantum healing hypnosis technique there. It's a, it's a technique that even though she passed away, there's like a, she has an organization that trains people on how mm. to help people 
become like, you know, certified in that to bring people through past life regression or future life regression or higher self, whatever they call it, you know, whatever anyone wants to call it. It's all I feel like it's all kind of the same. It's just what name you give it. Exactly. Yeah. They're tapping into the subconscious mind and there's information coming through. What, yeah. One of the interesting things I wanted to share, though, about that is what they say through some of the books, the convoluted universe books is um, which are just like they're literally just transcripts of her hypnosis sessions was that what happened energetically back in the 1930s is there were, you know, when the, like, the nuclear bombs were going off and stuff, what happened is that was we were on a timeline then of where the earth could possibly destroy itself because we were experimenting with nuclear bombs. And when the nuclear bomb went off and they were testing with it, the thing is, is what she says and what people in her hypnosis session say is that the way earth works is we have free will here as a collective to like decide what we experience. And what happened is when we were experimenting with these nuclear bombs, it was going off and it was rippling out into the universe and it was mm -hmm. beginning to affect other reality systems. Mm -hmm. The rule is we are allowed to affect our reality system, but when we begin affecting other reality systems, that's a no-no. So what happened is uh, energetically, there was like almost a call put out to where we needed souls to come to earth to, to incarnate because the rule with our reality is this free will thing. It's not like ETs can just land and give us technology and we're all fixed. Like we, it has to come from within the game itself. And part of the game of this reality is you come to earth, you forget who you are. There's a veil of forgetfulness here. You then go through a process of remembering who you are or you don't, but there's an option to like remember your spiritual nature and who you are. Mm -hmm. And then you wake up and you go through different levels of transformation. Now, what happened is we wanted, like, there was a call that was put out. So there were so many souls that felt such a deep connection to earth and to this reality that we decided we knew it was going to be hard to come here, to completely forget who we are, to then remember who we are. Um, but we knew that, like, we wanted to help. We wanted to help the planet come onto a higher timeline. We, we knew that also, now I believe this, and a lot of texts, like a lot of ancient texts kind of point to this time and Dolores Cannon material and other, you know, Abraham Hicks and other channelers. But In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code Somnium to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. In general, I believe right now is one of the most important and like uh, impactful times to be alive ever on the planet because there's a, there is a global shift in consciousness that is happening. And a lot of the shit that's coming to the surface, I believe, is to help us become more aware of like what's going on in the collective consciousness so that we can clear it out. And yeah. that pressure is creating transformation. So whether I think people remember it or not, I think we forgot who we are to remember who we are. And we came here to play according to the rules of life in a way to where we forget to remember. And then now we're remembering. And the more of us that come together and remember this, the more that we're creating transformation on the planet and the more that we're letting go of old belief systems, old power dynamics. And that's what's happening, I think, in the political sense, too. It's like things look very we're seeing how silly like we've been running shit for so long and we're able to like kind of like let that come to fruition to become aware of it that now we can just like let it go and and maybe move into some higher ways or higher levels of 
of like interacting both individually and collectively. So that's kind of, you know, the the perspective that I, I really resonate with is that we came here for this. We may not remember, but, and our purpose is to really just be who we came here to be, like to really elevate our own vibration, elevate our own level of consciousness, become aware and follow our passion. And that's kind of loops into what we were talking about in the beginning. But like the passion is the key, following the passion and knowing that when you're in that energy state, that is where more probabilities and more synchronicities come into our life. You know, like that's why I know that when I start doing these live events, even if it's not specifically the live events that bring me like the, the abundance right away, it's me being in the energy state of doing the live events that will propel me to be in a new energy to where then I perceive of new synchronicities in my life that I couldn't perceive of before because before I was just in an old energy state that brought me success for five years, but it's like, it's not bringing me the same energy anymore. So I need to change something. And that's why I know that if I just follow this carrot on a stick of like doing live events, I'll figure it out as I go. Maybe that is bigger thousand person plus live events that are like using group energy and stuff. Maybe it's more so I do live events to get content that I put on YouTube and that grows the virtual audience. You know, I don't know, but I'll, I know I'll figure it out as I go from just being in that state, you know? Yes. Yeah. Trusting the energy, trusting the direction that it's pulling you in, that it is going to serve the next purpose. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that uh, I totally agree with all that, by the way, is people are listening and they might they I'm, I'm, if they're still with us, I'm sure that they um, they're they're totally jiving with all this stuff. But um, whether it's the person listening that might not completely get it or whether it's someone that they know that might need it, like how what is it that gets people you mentioned at the beginning, like 90 percent is awareness. Right. When people yeah. talk about being like feeling like kind of overwhelmed or frustrated or like there's a lot going on and it's really difficult. I'm like, you're so far much further along than you realize the fact that you have awareness to something you want to fix. Yeah. You people spend, people literally go through entire lives without ever seeing the thing that needs to get fixed. And so the fact that you come to an awakening and or, or a realization that you want to change something is already so much of the work. So the real question I have is like, what does it take to get that? Like what, what can, is that something that could be manipulated? Meaning like, can you get people to that state or are there like signs that people should look out for that would sort of be a hook into how they can heal patterns, heal relational patterns, heal ancestral patterns? How do people get into that space where they can have the awareness? Cause that to me seems like it takes the longest I mean, yes, the alchemization of energy to grow and expand, like, here's the deal. Lessons are always hard. Like as many waves of it as I've gone through, I'm like, this is so hard. And th- and then you're like, fuck, it's because it's another lesson. And they're supposed to be yeah. hard. That's that's what it takes to get to 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 ch- shift it. Um, so how do we get people into awareness? Uh, it, the first thing I'll say is everybody that is listening to this right now, are so like already have to give themselves credit because when people are in the energy of like, you know, consuming content that is about this kind of stuff where it's, we're talking about awareness and transformation and everything that you share on your podcast, they're already ahead of a large percentage of the planet. Not that we need to develop a spiritual ego about it or anything, but like it is, it, it is true. Like there are so many people that are asleep and that are just in their patterns and they're just like, completely 
kind of um, immersed into that to where they don't have, they feel like at least they don't have the ability to like tap into that awareness. So if you're even able to perceive of this episode right now, then give yourself credit because you are already on the path. If you know, you're already looking at yourself, you're already uh, on the path of awareness. And the key with awareness that I found is awareness is so simple. It's just observation. It's observing what's happening in your body. It's, it's observing what's happening in the mind. And the best way that I've learned to do that is through kind of what we're talking about earlier, where you take space, like I'm taking space from making YouTube videos. That's allowing me clarity. It's taking space from life. I think a lot of times we are watching the news, we're watching social media, we're consuming, we're consuming all these things that may not be having the best effect on our vibration or our energy. And then we're staying in the hamster wheel. So to gain awareness, it's simply asking yourself new questions. Like, what am I passionate about? What do I believe about what's like happening? How do I feel about it? And another thing that I'll share that like has been a something that I share on my channel that I, I hear people reach back to me all the time and say, this thing changed my life. And it's so simple. Um, I call it, I, I learned it from my shadow work integration coach that I had a while ago. And it's a very simple embodiment practice. I call it the frame technique. So I have like a video on YouTube called the frame mm -hmm. technique and mm -hmm. it's a, yep. it's a very simple process, but it literally is bringing the awareness into the body and feeling the separation between you and a, a, like a candle flame or you in the wall, or you in the computer right now, if you bring the awareness into your body and you feel the separation between you and another object or you and another person, if you have somebody that you're, you, you have trouble setting boundaries with other people mm -hmm. and you feel like maybe, or maybe there's like an X that you're, you want to let go of or something, what you can do is bring the awareness into the hands, bring the awareness into the feet and actually focus on the separation between you and this other person. And, and in the spiritual community, there's this like, we're all connected. Let's all feel connected. But that is only one side of the equation. A lot of what spiritual people need, I believe, is actually to feel separation. Because in the separation, you're able to actually feel safe in your own body. And you're able to delineate, this is me and that is you. And even though we're all connected, that's where people get, where they feel like they're not able to tap into awareness is because they feel so pulled into so many different directions. Like, what does my mom want me to do? What does my boyfriend and girlfriend want me to do? Or my husband and wife? What does my kids want me to do? Or they're trying to please everybody. And then you don't know who the fuck you are. Or for empaths or highly sensitive people. Exactly. And, and that's who that frame technique helps the most uh, is empaths. It's people that feel so connected mm. to everybody else. And what that I found, and I talk, you know, this is something I've learned from my own life is that's being an empath, I believe is, somewhat of a learned mechanism that has been birthed because of trying to get your own needs met. So for example, growing up as a kid, I was someone like this because I had to like, in order to get the approval or validation as a kid, I had to tune to my environment to feel safe. Hmm. So part of being an empath is tuning to other people and feel like into what they're feeling, because then it's like, if I can make you happy or if I can please you or let the tension go away, and avoid tension and you feel good, then I can feel good. Yes. So it's a mechanism that was learned as a kid to ease tension, to then get other people to feel a certain way. So then I could say, oh, now I can feel safe. And the problem with that though, is that then when you tune to other people that often, uh, what ends up happening is you lose your sense of self. 
You yeah. lose what I call your frame, your sense of frame and feeling safe in your own frame and being able to set boundaries with other people, being able to feel and, and live according to your own values. Because as a people pleaser or an empath, you tune to other people and your values become their values. Whatever they yeah. value, like I value that too. And you're like, who the mm. fuck am I? You know, what do I value? What's important to me? And that's why I think it's very important, this whole frame technique uh, process of just bringing the awareness in your body is then you could start saying like, what do I actually value in my life? And what I had to realize to shed the people pleaser persona is I valued as the old version of me, I valued validation and approval from other people. That were like my top values. I wasn't aware of it, but I became aware that, oh wait, I really want people to like me. I really want people to like feel good around me. And I then became aware that I was living by those values to get my inner childhood needs met that were meant of validation and approval. And then I became aware of how much that was actually hurting me. I became aware that in dating, I was dating women where I felt like I had to fix them or I had to please them. or And, and then that was making the masculine feminine energy dynamic not very grounded. And that mm -hmm. was not good for the relationship. And I noticed that my dad, my I got it from my dad. My dad's like a typical nice guy that he attracted my ex-stepmom who was a narcissist. And that was the dynamic That's that I saw. Fun. It's, a, it's a trap that a lot of people fall into, unfortunately. Yeah. But mm -hmm. yeah, and it was, uh, I could see how it never, as a nice guy or a people pleaser, you think if I do this strategy, I'm going to get my needs met. But it actually doesn't really work because people don't respect you. And then you feel like you're getting pulled in different directions. But I decided instead of living according to validation and approval, I'm going to live according to the values of vulnerability and authenticity. And the thing with vulnerability is that's the ability to like show the real you. So people pleasers and empaths are afraid of showing their real emotions. They're afraid of being vulnerable. They're afraid, you know, back in the day, I'd be afraid to like show someone I was dating that I was attracted to them. And what I learned after like this transformation is like, I now express that. I express that desire. I express my true emotions. I don't hold it back. Mm -hmm. And it has a completely different effect on masculine energy, masculine feminine energy dynamics. And mm -hmm. what I realized is like that it takes vulnerability to ask somebody out. It takes vulnerability yes. to show your, your own emotions and to show how you really feel. And when someone says something you don't like to like say, Hey, I don't think that was cool. It takes vulnerability to do that. And the big, the main wound of the empath of the people pleaser is an abandonment wound where they're afraid other people are going to leave. And the way out of the abandonment wound is actually into vulnerability. It's into being able to let go of the shame, which means I'm broken. The shame is like, that's what people are hiding that have that people pleaser, nice guy persona. They're trying to hide the belief that I'm broken. But when you're able to show the real you and live according to that mm. vulnerability, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it takes courage. But as you do it, you start rewiring your sense of beliefs of who you are and your own sense of worthiness. And you start realizing you actually are worthy. And that's what changed my life more than anything was valuing vulnerability and authenticity over validation and approval. And becoming aware of my own values. What do I choose to live by those values plus other values, um, following my passion and, you know, things like that. And that's completely transformed my life, but it's come through feeling separation between me and other people more than anything. And that's helped me feel safe in my frame. And mm -hmm. it's completely changed. Like how I show up, it's completely yeah. changed my masculine, like how mm -hmm. I show up in my, in my own energy in, in so many different ways. Well, that was beautiful and well said. And yes, there's such a difference between attunement and absorption. Yeah. Right. Like to decide to attune to someone is 
can be beautiful, but absorption of energy is confusing. You never know where you start and end compared to someone else. You know, as you were talking about um, the abandonment wound on the other side of the coin would be like more of the avoidant or narcissist, someone on the other side of the spectrum. But the thing is, is that it's actually like very much similar original wounds. It's, you know, the, the, the narcissist also wants to, doesn't believe they're good enough. And they put, they put a facade or a mask on and they just kind of push people away um, instead of people pleasing. And, you know, that's the funny thing about life is that, you know, it's part of the same whole, like everything's a circle. It's not an end to end thing. It's yeah. just the other side of a circle. And that it's the original wound is is very similar. It's just not being not having your emotional needs met and that people just have different ways of dealing with them. But we're all trying to correct that original wound of wanting to be seen. So what I mean, I want to get into relationships because I feel like they're just like, they're so they're so hard. <laughs> Yeah, it feels so hard. Like, what the hell are they for? Because they are so hard. Like, let's just start there. Okay, why are relationships difficult? Intimate Um, relationships. I mean, any relationship can be, but let's just like circle around intimate right now, I guess. Yeah, I I mean, I think relationships can be so hard because they bring up our own childhood wounding that maybe we aren't aware of. Why? Because because when we're kid, I believe when we're kids, we have a certain way that we relate to our parents. And we have certain meanings. And when we're like born to about seven to nine years old, we're primarily in theta state. And in theta state of brainwave activity, we're literally absorbing the belief systems, the energies and the patterns of our environment. And all the way up to that age, including the years before. I mean, Bruce Bruce Lipton would say it's from like the last trimester in the womb still until, you know, sort of that seven year, you know, seven years old or so, like all of that you're absorbing. You think that yelling in front of your baby in the crib is not going to do anything because they won't remember, but they're actually like storing that shit at a hyper level. Yeah. I think about I think of sometimes like a, a scenario where like, I've seen it before at a grocery store where like parents are with the little kid and the little kid doesn't want to go somewhere. And they're like, okay, bye, bye. As if they're going to leave the kids. And it's a little joke, but I'm like, that kid is literally absorbed and it starts crying because it thinks that his parents are just going to leave him or her (laughs) in the middle of a store, you know? So it's kind of a funny example, but every, like little things can very much impact it. Uh, those that the parts of our identity and when we're born up until like you know seven to nine or whatever but like yeah to even not even born like in the trimester like in our in our mom you know um we're absorbing belief systems and patterns and energies and the thing is is one thing that we're trying to like we're subconsciously i believe trying to do in our relationships is we're trying to kind of close the loop from childhood we're trying to close the loop and and kind of like heal and we find partners that replay normally very familiar energy dynamics from when we were kids. You're somebody that had maybe a controlling mom or dad, then you may either adopt certain patterns yourself or you might attract, you might just naturally be attracted to people that have that same type of familiar safe energy. And that's like, so in relationship, that's where it comes out. Like it comes out through intimate relationships. That's where emotional availability comes into play. And then the different strategies that we have in order to give and receive love. From like 7 to 15, I had that narcissistic stepmom in my life. Uh, My dad finally divorced her. After my ex-stepmom left my life when I was 15 years old, um, I then I had all this freedom. 
I was able to have friends because I didn't have friends before that. I wasn't allowed to, you know, I had to like kind of earn going to school activities and stuff. And then I have all this freedom. I have all, it's like a whole new reality. But what ended up happening is I, I kept attracting women into my life that were very controlling. So I attracted an ex-girlfriend that was very jealous and insecure and trying to always control everything I was doing. And what ended up happening is she was in my life for like four years. I didn't end the, like, the, the way the relationship ended wasn't necessarily me ending it. It kind of like stuff happened and then it had to end. That was the pattern that I kind of learned. You just kind of stay in it as long as you, you absolutely have to. Yeah. Then eventually when that breakup did happen, I then got transferred to a better department when I worked at a certain woman's shoe department. I got transferred to designer shoes, which is like more money. The manager of that department was the same exact energy dynamic <laughs> of my ex-stepmom, literally like to a T. She was controlling, manipulative. She couldn't physically like obviously do anything, but like emotionally and the way she would talk to us, she was protected by upper management. So we couldn't get her fired, you know, uh, like she was in my life for like five years while I was working that sales job, like three to five years. And then what happened is I went through my spiritual awakening in 2012. And what happened is I ended up like forgiving my ex-stepmom through, I learned meditation and I learned, mm -hmm. uh, I started seeing like what my ex-stepmom did is I could see that she was treated the same way by her dad. And that's why she learned that pattern. And she was like doing the best she could from the level of consciousness she was at. Yeah. It didn't necessarily make it right, but it did help me understand her more. And then I ended up forgiving her. And within two weeks of forgiving her, that manager got fired, which was crazy because for like a year, we tried getting her fired because she'd do this crazy shit, but she was like protected by upper management and we like we couldn't get her fired. And then within two weeks of me forgiving her, um, she got fired. It's like she energetically left my life because it didn't resonate with my energy anymore. I'd learned the lesson or I'd forgiven and it wasn't active in my field. And that was like trippy for me because what if, you know, it sounds kind of egotistical for me to say there were like 12 other people in that department. But the moment I healed that energy within myself, that person, like that energy then left my life. And I've never dated someone that was narcissistic like that or had someone in my life like that ever again, because I think I, I'm too, I'm aware of the energy. I, I, I notice it within seconds. Like I've, I, when I meet people, I, not that I'm trying to just judge people and say, oh, this person's a narcissist, but I can very quickly tell someone's intentions within, mm. within a couple minutes of meeting people. And I just choose not to like interact or get intertwined with people that do have that energy dynamic alive. Amazing. There's a lot of healing that comes through in, in relationship, especially intimate as you know, we're getting poked at our deepest, most vulnerable points. And we're, we're, we're trying so hard to make those work. Um, but what about like, what about the healing within? So there's like the masculine and feminine essentially with a relationship. But then yeah. what about the one within you? What about your own masculine, feminine balance and energy? How important do you think that is to the whole puzzle of being in a balanced, intimate relationship? I think it is. I think it's very important. I think that we attract partners based on the energy that we're embodying. So if like I noticed that in the past, um, if I wasn't in my true like masculine energy, I would attract people that would have that activated within themselves. And then mm. it almost like we'd be competing for the masculine spot. So we'd have to like kind yeah. of like merge back and forth. <laughs> and and it, was an, it was an interesting energy that I became like aware of. And one thing that I think happens when we go through a spiritual awakening that Carl Jung talked about is called the anima and the animus. Mm -hmm. And the anima and the animus is the personality like structure within ourselves 
where once we go through a spiritual awakening, we kind of shift to the other side to then heal it. And so for, for a lot of times, women may shift into more of uh, their, their masculine side because deep down there's like a, a desire to learn that and to heal that energy. And for men, they'll go into their feminine side. That's why when you see a lot of like spiritual dudes, you yeah. might see like some spiritual hippie dudes that like are very feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of a natural stage that people go through. Some people stay there for a long time, but you also see, you know, a lot of like, uh, you know, women that go through spiritual awakening that then are like women's empowerment and, and energy like that. And there's nothing wrong with any of it, but it's very important to understand kind of like why you're, what you're going into that energy and to understand where your core is. Because I think sometimes people go through some type of uh, trauma where they may have gone through something where maybe they have a masculine wound or a, a feminine wound, and then they take on the energy themselves and they feel figure they need an embodiment because their needs aren't being met. Mm. And that is kind of also a strategy that's been created to not really surrender to the masculine or the feminine. So for example, mm. someone may say, well, it wasn't safe for me around the masculine growing up uh, because my dad was kind of toxic or this person was kind of toxic. So I'm going to activate that energy within myself and I'm going to grow my business and be focused on all these masculine perspectives because that's where I find safety. I don't need anybody else because when I needed dad back in the day or I needed masculine energy back in the day, it wasn't provided for and I didn't feel seen and heard. So I don't need it. And then it's like an energy of, um, you know, kind of fulfilling that role within themselves. But then they, they attract people that maybe aren't in their masculine energy or they attract people that are more feminine because it, it's playing off that energy that's being embodied. So part of the work is really going into that energy and, and becoming aware of the, the kind of like the mini trauma that may have happened or the, the association, the belief about the masculine and feminine energy, and then uh, learning to surrender more to that. So if somebody wants to attract a more masculine partner, then it's like them softening in their feminine energy. Or if they're a guy and they want to attract a more feminine woman or whatever the dynamic is as far as like sexuality goes, but then it's, it's to embody more directionality. You know, the, ma- the masculine is very directional. It's very penetrative. It's going in a specific direction. And I see sometimes a lot that there's, there's men that may not, they don't know where they're going. They're, they're very flowy state. There's nothing wrong with it. But it, when, you, when you get more into that directional energy, you feel more masculine and you feel more grounded. And that's really what the feminine wants. The feminine wants to feel safe in the masculine directional energy and, and wants to feel safe and seen and heard and not fixed. You know, it's what the feminine wants more so. And then the masculine just wants to feel appreciated, wants to feel appreciated and, and um, like nurtured, you know? So it's kind of understanding those energies within themselves. I went through a phase where I had to heal the mother wound in a way where you know, I felt like I didn't receive a lot of nurturing growing up. Um, I knew my mom was going through a lot of stuff when I was a baby because her dad passed away and stuff. So um, when she was young, when, when I was like three and she went through a whole process. So I had to learn kind of like how to relate to the feminine in a different way. And I had to learn that a lot of the stuff that I experienced growing up, the shame and the belief I was broken, absorbing kind of my mom's stuff, I had to realize that that wasn't mine, that it wasn't my fault. It wasn't because I wasn't good enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when, once I realized that and I was able to kind of separate the energy and realize that a lot of that nice guy, people pleaser persona wasn't even mine. It was my dad's and my mom's energy. 
And then I was able to get into who I choose to be and how I choose to embody energy. And that was life changing for me because I realized that I'm not the result of my past. I'm not my mom and my dad's yeah. energies. And I felt free. Have you had to address a father wound? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Cause I was going to say like, part of my journey has been like uh, thinking it was the father wound and then realizing that actually the one that holds the, the most amount of power and transformation was the mother. I just didn't, it wasn't so obvious to me. It sounds like that was maybe how your dad was with you, where it seemed like the mom was sort of the inflammatory sort of like ingredient to the situation. And, yeah. and so I thought that was kind of my dad. And then I realized that the, ultimately none of it changes until I hear heal the mother one, because that's how I acted. Like yeah. I realized I acted like my mom and I can't if, until I change how I think, feel and act, my reality can't change. And so it was actually the mother wound that ended up being the one that, that stops the father connection, the, those relationships being attracted to me that were like my dad. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a powerful insight. It was brutal insight. It was like emotional, brutal insight. And it's still yeah. a lot of work, but, but yeah, I, um, that was uh, that was a big part of it. As far as relationships go, I love asking the question to people. Um, and it sounds kind of like such a cynic or something. But uh, what's the point? What's like the why point? Are, why are why 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 get married? Why why be in a relationship? Why why try and find someone for the rest of your life? We look at it like this thing that's supposed to you find the one person for the rest of your life and you stay together. And it's bad if you you know breakups are sad and. And that's yeah. sort of like some sign of some kind of level of failure in some way. I, I don't think that everyone always looks at it like that mm. and we're growing, but, but like the idea would be, and I still feel this way. It's like, when do I find someone that, you know, like stands the test yeah. of time and that we grow together instead of apart or one grows and the other doesn't. And, but is that yeah. even what I should be looking for? Or now that we live to a hundred or, you know, soon enough, it'll be 120 or talk to yeah. Dave Asprey and it's 180. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. is it likely, is it realistic that we're supposed to be with somebody for 50, 60, 70 years? Yeah, that's a, that's a very, uh, interesting, good question, because I think it's, it's also questions that I ask myself sometimes too. You know, I think when it comes to relationships for myself, at least the purpose of it for me is growth because I have grown more. Like I I've, I've been able to like create a lot of success in my life through YouTube and putting myself out there and following my passion but I grow way more in relationships. Like I grow way more through relationships and maybe because it's it hits so much deeper, closer to home, but some of my most suffering, most challenging moments have been through breakups or relationships. Yep. And I think that, you know, there's like sayings that like, you know, it's one thing to go meditate in a cave for like 20, 30 years, but try like living with somebody and having all these different <laughs> things rub off against each other. Like right. I think, the purpose of it for me and maybe for, you know, I think it's a way that we exponentialize our spiritual growth. And it's the way we look at our inner childhood needs that maybe weren't met. And we learn how to like, we learn how to get, have those needs met through ourselves and others and how we relate to other people. So connection and growth for me is like what I notice. I, I grow more through that. And as, as far as like the being with one person forever, I question that too sometimes, but I wonder how much of that comes from my own upbringing, because I've seen my dad go through two divorces with my mom and then my ex-stepmom. And I've seen the pain that that causes. And I've seen my mom go through like breakups and stuff. And I, you know, I have like my best friend, him and his wife have been together 15 years. And his parents are like, his mom and dad are still together. 
her mom and dad are still together, his wife, who's a great friend of mine. And it's like, I wonder sometimes like how much of that is like their belief is that like relationships last forever. And am I wounded because mm. my parents weren't together? So maybe my, my notion is that like, oh, it probably won't, eventually I'll get tired of it or it won't work out or, and I wonder if that's just my experience, my belief system. And the thing that I'm looking to do is to really go into that and to kind of learn as I go and not put too much pressure on a specific like relationship and to, and to like assume, oh, that's a lot of pressure to say, oh, this needs to last until I'm hundred or 180 years old. You know, I've been learning to take things more in the moment and to see the person that I'm dating or the person I'm spending time with as like, as like, uh, uh, is, is it just something that I can share for as long as it lasts and learn from it and not have that expectation of how long it's going to last. But, um, just kind of like learn as I go. And I think I'm redefining what that is as I go. So in like 10 years, maybe I am like, Oh, I want to be, you know, with one person my whole entire life. But I think that we have many soulmates in our life. And I think that Maybe in the, like talking about the Dolores Cannon stuff, maybe, you know, we in, in higher dimensions and higher realities, we may live like 800 years old, you know? Right. So it's like we, we may, it's not, we may shift through different, you know, life partners and seasons and things like that. So I don't know the answer, to be honest. You know, what do you, what do you think? It's just such an interesting thing to contemplate. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, thanks for asking. I, I, you know, when you say my belief and my what I'm here to do in this life is to grow and evolve, like I believe yeah. fundamentally that is the point. And what I wonder is if relationships bring in the highest potential to move through those spaces and grow, does that mean that they will be grown out of because they are attracted for a certain dynamic to heal? Yeah. And once that's healed, then you move on. Like, I'm wondering if that's just literally the dynamic of the situation with a relationship is like, do you, if you grow, you kind of grow past them because they are an old pattern. And then I wonder, like, is it just your orientation with the self? Do I need to create that relationship with myself? And then, you know, in an Abraham Hicks style, you know, wording, like you can, I can use that person, my partner, as my point of attention for all the positive and like yeah. nothing could change that like the that I could use them for all of it and um instead of focusing on the negative or the bad and maybe it's just meant to be uh you know maybe then you're able to move through life yeah. with someone if you if you don't choose to look at the negative and someone and you have that um, have a, a certain relationship with the self. And that's kind of where I wonder about the masculine and feminine within each one of us being yeah. a critical element to a, a real union, a real union. Yeah. The one that is harmo the harmony, the one that does last, the one that, that one can flow through events and challenges um, because you're not using them as your growth and yeah. you're not using them as... Um, you know, you're not, uh, you're not moving past them. So it, there is no, I don't have an answer. I just, yeah. I have questions more than anything. So I, my, I mean, most of my life is spent sort of, um, philosophizing about stuff with my friends and family and people. So I just love to ask these questions that I know that there's probably not necessarily an answer, but the way that we figure it out is through talking about it. And yeah. I'm just generally curious, but they do, they do hold a lot of power and, yeah. um, and I do seek them. And so, so yeah, it's interesting. Um, maybe we should talk about consciousness just a little bit. Um, you know, since, you, you know, 
talk about expanding people's consciousness. I'm curious, like what, what do you, what is consciousness to you? Well, it's funny because I say, I I've said in like thousands of YouTube videos now, like my name is Aaron and I help people expand their consciousness. Yep. Their consciousness is, I, I don't think it is something that can actually be expanded because it is like, it, it just is like consciousness mm. is like awareness. It just is. But I guess it's more like expanding awareness because when you expand your scope of awareness. Like I know there's like a saying that when you're looking through like a golf size hole, you have like a golf golf ball size consciousness. But if you expand it, you then see way more, you know? So I think consciousness and awareness, it just kind of is. Um, and the what we're doing is we're, we're becoming more aware of the subconscious parts of ourselves or the patterns and the energies. And as we do that, that's when our life really changes. When we become aware of those attachments or we become aware of the energy that we're living in. You know, when I was working a nine to five job selling women's shoes, I, I energetically knew, okay, I'm working at my, my thoughts, my actions, my emotions, everything was in complete, I was in complete alignment with that version of me, you know? But then I became aware. I'm like, oh wait, I see myself and I am embodying like a, somebody that works a nine to five job. I am letting someone tell me what to do. I'm not taking initiative. I had to start taking initiative as like making videos and like building something apart from my nine to five job. It required mm -hmm. a different level of consciousness, a different level of awareness. So in general, just to kind of summarize, I think it's something that already exists and it's the, the more aware we become, the more then we're able to like see how we're thinking, feeling and acting. And then we can, more so look at ways of embodying the energies of what we want to create. Because for me to become a full-time YouTuber, what I did is I literally just decided to be a full-time YouTuber. My thoughts, my emotions, and my actions were all aligned to what would a full-time YouTuber version of Aaron be doing. And I said, I'm not going to wait till I have 100,000 subs and people tell me my videos are good, or I have all this like, you know, success in my life for me to like share what I'm doing. I'm going to just decide that the moment I start it, I am it. So the moment I started making videos, I started seeing myself as a full-time YouTuber. And then within weeks, my whole entire life changed. So is that so, a, visual, a visualization technique? Or is like how, when you say that, um, like if some, like what would you tell someone to do? I would tell them to go into a meditation, begin to tap into using the power of your imagination, connect to, you could call it your higher self, your higher mind or God or whatever label you want to give it. But ask yourself like, what does the version of me that is the most passionate version of me, that is the highest vibrational version of me or whatever, what does that version of me doing on a daily basis? How is that version of me showing up? And through your power of your imagination, you can begin to get clues as to what that is. And for me, I was living at my dad's house, working that sales job, selling women's shoes. And for me, I, I did this meditation where I imagined it. And I saw that that version of me is making daily videos. And literally, this sounds woo-woo, but I felt like I got a message from my mm -hmm. higher self or whatever mm -hmm. that said, if you make a video every single day on YouTube, your life will transform. So I said, okay, no matter what, every single day I'm going to make a video until I'm full-time, like just because this is who I choose to be, but also because that it'll change my life. I believed it. So I made a video every single day and I made it from the energy of not of once I make a hundred thousand, once I have a hundred thousand subs, then I'm a YouTuber. Like I saw myself and was being a full-time YouTuber. I was modeling the thoughts, the feelings, the actions to that version of me. I could tell that that version of me that's a full-time YouTuber, uh, had to like learn how to make thumbnails. I had to learn marketing. 
I had to learn how to, um, like there, there were so all much. these things I didn't know at the time when I first made my first video, but that was like, oh, I need to learn marketing. I need to learn how to make thumbnails. I need to learn how to edit. I edited all my videos the first couple months of like the first six months of making videos. I edited all my own videos. So I had to learn how to do that, you know? And, um, like the, the main message I have though, is to start because once you start and you take on the identity and the beliefs of that, that's who you are now. And it's important to be it because it, you choose to be it, not be it because it's going to help you escape. A side effect of me being that full-time YouTuber was that I could eventually quit my nine to five job. Mm -hmm. But when people want to be a YouTuber because they want views, they want money, that a lot of times I, I find is it, you're making it a means to an end and not an end of itself. Yeah. Like I had to, I, and, and that's why now it's like, I'm realizing that the beingness of being a YouTuber is like outdated for me and I want to do live events now. So I'm, I'm aware of that energy, but in general, you want to be it because it's who you choose to be. And when you're in that energy, it's very different than being it because of what it'll get you or like, or something like that. I've had things I've learned in the past about like things I could do online to make money before I was on YouTube and I would do it and I would give up because I wasn't really passionate about it. Right. But once I then like did something, I, my heart lit my heart up on fire. It's like the universe rewards that the universe in a way is going to reflect back the energy that you're embodying. So one of the biggest like lessons I teach on my YouTube channel and, and all my content is you, every moment quantum physics is showing us that every moment's a new moment, that every moment, the, the cells in our body are dying and being reborn. And if every moment's a new moment, every moment you're a new version of you, you can be who you choose to be. The only thing that keeps you held back is your story. It's the story about who you are. It's the story, I'm Aaron, I work a nine to five job that I don't enjoy, but I feel like I have to. It's a story, it's a belief. And you can let go of it at any moment. And once you become aware that it's a belief and it's a story, you can then choose something new because every moment you're a new you. So every moment you're a new you and every moment you're a new you, why would you keep telling yourself the same story over and over again once you're aware that it's a story? It was never built in reality that Aaron Doughty is a, you know, a, a shoe salesperson or whatever. Like I realized that that was just something I agreed to that was on autopilot. And once I became aware of that, I then shifted the energy and I started to embody a full-time YouTuber version of myself. That meant I was sometimes working in Vegas. We would, sometimes I would work till 11 or 12 at night because I worked on the strip and I would get home at like one in the morning. I would film a video, edit the video schedule the video to go out the next day. And I did that. So not, not all the time, you know, I would get ahead on videos, but there were a couple of times I had to do that because it was a part of my identity. And people would ask me, Aaron, how are you able to make so many videos on YouTube? It was easy because it's a part of my identity. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, it's like if I, if you were to go to the gym and I know you work out and stuff. So like, imagine the first time somebody ever goes to the gym and they're like, oh my God, it's so hard to go to the gym. And then they do it again. And then they do it again. And after a month, they're like, their, their identity shifted. They're like, it's like, is it hard for you to go to the gym? You're like, no, I'm just, I'm a gym goer. Like I go to the gym or I do yoga or whatever that is. It's easy once it clicks into your identity. And for me, I was being a YouTuber. And then all these other YouTubers were making one video a week, two videos a week. And they're like, how are you able to make seven videos a week? That's crazy. And it was easy because it was a part of my identity. It was the way. It was the way. And now it's becoming outdated. You know, now yeah, I'm like, I wanna, okay, that's what I want to know. Okay. What's the, what's the update? Well, the update now is that, um, my identity is shifting. Like I, I, 
And there's a, there's a fear that comes with letting go of just making so many videos on YouTube because it's brought me so much success, right. but I have to let go of that version of me in order to like become and to put my energy into this new version of me of doing live events, of putting my energy there with my team and, and into that kind of energy. Because at one time I had to let go of being a full-time, of being a full-time, you know, shoe salesperson. Right. I had to let that go. And that yeah. was scary too. Even though yeah. I was more excited about making videos, it's like, I get paid 60, 70 K a year to like stand around in a suit, sell shoes. And this thing, the first year, I think I, I made close to that. I made maybe 50 K. I made less than I made the first year in 2017. And then after that, everything exponentialized because I, I became, I learned internet marketing and I, I learned all these different things Then my channel blew up to over a million subscribers. And when that happened, there were more opportunities, but now the fear is letting go of the and I'm not completely letting it go because I'll still have videos, but like in the way that I've related to it, I have to let that go. And I have to, I feel like I get to really like wire in a new version of me that is like doing events every month or something like that. Even if it's just small at first, I might just do it just to get my energy into it. Do like 50 people, like 50 person live event, like here in Austin, like with no pressure, literally just do it to make content, to have like someone on my team is like an expert at like, you know, all the tech stuff. Um, so like if at a live event, he records everything and, you know, I, I can replay that energy onto YouTube and stuff. So what I could do is have, you know, everything recorded and put that on YouTube. And because I'll be in a different energy state, I think it will do not only, you know, and it's not even, it shouldn't be an attachment to mine that it has to do as good as the old stuff, but there needs to be the awareness that like, I can't, I, I need to like to wire in this new you, me. I need to be a new me. I need to be this me that is more passionate, more in my heart and let go of the attachments of the familiar energy, the hamster wheel that I've created, you know, even it's a nice, it's a much better hamster wheel than the nine to five job goer version of me, but it's still a hamster wheel that I feel caught in sometimes, you know, how does this, uh, how does this story end for, in your mind, this story of your lifetime and the planet and this great awakening and everything like write the story for how you hope it will go from a, you know, from your standpoint, and from a collective standpoint? Yeah, um, I, I believe that as time goes on, and talking about the collective uh, first, the, I believe that as time goes on, right now what's happening is a form of initiation. There is, you know, when we go through as an individual, many of us that have been through spiritual awakenings have gone through a lot of pressure early on in life that has allowed us pressure to then create like a new dimension to ourselves, whether that's the spirituality, that kind of connection. And what's happening at a collective level is everything is getting shaken up and there's a lot of pressure that's being created. There's a lot of fear and a lot of lower vibrational emotions that are being evoked. And what I think is coming out of this is more and more people are waking up. More and more people are waking up to questioning their reality, questioning the, the, the way things are ran, questioning the fear and all this energy that's being projected. Um, and as people are questioning it, they're starting to question, like, what do they believe? Who are they? Why did they come here? You know, people like back in the day, I think people would, you know, work like eight, 50 years and work jobs they freaking hated. And that was the norm. And now people like they're not settling for that. And when you look at like, you know, like your podcast or my YouTube channel, the reason it grows is because more and more people are waking up. I think there's more and more of a demand for this. And more than ever, I believe what's going to continue to happen is not only are people going to wake up, but like the people that are listening to us right now 
I believe that they are the, the leading edge of consciousness and the leading edge of them embodying their true power, their true energy, and that by them being that version of themselves, that's what transforms the planet. It starts with us. And then collectively, the more we follow our passion, the more we become aware of these patterns within ourselves, the more we release the stuck energy inside of our bodies, the more we elevate our own frequency, our own vibration, and that changes the planet. And I truly believe that within the next uh, 50 to 100 years, I believe that even the next 10, 15 years, I believe life will continue to exponentialize and change in many ways. I believe that eventually um, we'll have like first contact. I believe that ETs exist. And I believe that the government's known about it for a very long time. I believe that that will be common knowledge in, I believe it kind of already is, but it will be more so common knowledge over the next 10, 15 years. I believe eventually we'll, we'll be looking into like the planet more and just how much harm we're doing to the oceans and shit. Um, I believe there'll be technology that cleans a lot of that up that maybe we find or create. I believe that more people will be following their passions and doing what they love and they won't be working jobs that they hate. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different layers to it, but for me, it's like, I just want to embody the highest vibrational version of me that I can. And that mm. means that the version of me that's more like in my heart and more passionate and more emotionally available and more uh, expressive in whatever way that looks like. But I believe that this is the most exciting time to be alive ever. I believe that at the end of this life, we'll have, you know, we'll, we'll be able to really connect to higher levels if we want or, you know, stay here. I don't know. I, I think it's exciting time that we live in right now and that more transformation will happen the next 10, 20, 40 years than we could even possibly imagine, you know? I agree. I agree. Well, I want you to know that you're on it. Like you're totally on that path. And you've been, even though like every iteration of growth feels like, oh man, it's like yeah. you, you've been doing it. You've been doing the work and thank you for sharing that with people. And, um, it's, it's working. That's all I can say. It's working. So thank you. And thank you for what you do. And thank you for like all the energy you put out in the world, because you have such a, uh, a great energy and I can just tell that you're making a big difference and you're, you're bringing this kind of awareness and energy to like an audience that I think is, um, like it's very beneficial. And I, I think it's, it's cool the way you're bridging these, these different realities together. And wow. I think you do it in a very level of high integrity and like, you're, you're just, you're also in it. I've hung out with you before and you're just a very interesting yeah. and awesome Aww. person. You're, you're great in real life too. So <laughs> just Aww. thank you for being you and, and everything you're doing. Hopefully we connect again soon. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.